Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. We're Carol and David, and we're so excited to welcome you to our podcast. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We we sure are, and you know we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. we got a real special show for you today. Uh, you know April 20th is coming up, which is National Cannabis Day. And today's show is International Cannabis Day. International Cannabis Day. And today's show is all about the ins and outs of cannabis. And, you know, cannabis is legal in so many states and countries today, and it's used socially and medicinally to enhance sensation and ease discomfort, but have you ever wondered how it's cultivated for specific uses? Well, on today's show, we're going to explore how cannabis products are grown, extracted, marketed, and sold legally and commercially. Absolutely. But first, as we do on every show, we're going to tell you about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and no one wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry, no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are so excited to introduce today's expert guest. We have Michael Horner, who is the co-founder of Zuni Cannabis and has been in the industry for the past 13 years. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for coming to our show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So fun to do a show in person these days because... Uh, you know, we've been doing a lot on Zoom with the, you know, with the COVID out there and stuff. So it's really nice to have you right at our table here today. This would be my first face-to-face interview since the Yay, pandemic started. Yay! I yeah. know. Feels good, though, right? It does. <laughs> Feels almost normal. So let's get started. Let's ask you a little bit about um, how did you get into the cannabis industry? Well, I am a, a serial entrepreneur, so I've had uh, lots of businesses, and it, it was interesting at the time, I um, was working as an account executive for a major media conglomerate, and I was the president of the local chamber of commerce in a small Northern California town, and uh, sort of entrenched in the business community, um, mentoring small business people and helping them with their marketing. and. Um, I saw a shift happening in the community in, in 2008, and this was just before the uh, economic crash of 2009, and, and things were, were changing rapidly in that community, and, and a construction base was going away to support the economy, as well as the dwindling tourism in that area, and more and more, um, the, the client list uh, for our company and and the uh, Chamber of Commerce membership was being made up of more cannabis-oriented businesses. And we were seeing these businesses uh, step in 
into the, the, the forefront of the economy, the local economy. Uh, I had lots of small business people telling me that if it wasn't for the funny smelling cash coming in the front door, that they wouldn't be in business, including, yeah. you know, large building supply uh, companies. And, and I, I just kind of saw the writing on the wall. And I, I went to um, a Northern California, a friend of mine who was involved in the um, UFCW, uh, which is the commercial workers union, okay. uh, Safeway, Albertsons, you know, grocery store chains. Uh, they were organizing the cannabis industry at the time, and he took me to a uh, meeting of the first effort to legalize for adult recreational use in um, 2010, Prop 19 in California, and I met uh, Dale Sky Jones and um, uh, Richard Lee and, and the people who sort of founded that movement in Oakland, uh, and I met people who were... Uh, I'd always kind of thought in the back of my head of the legalization effort as, you know, a bunch of hippies and tie-dyed right. t-shirts waving the legalize it flag. And, and in that room, I met very um, uh, competent and capable business people and attorneys who were uh, set on, on getting this thing done and had raised a couple million dollars to, uh, to gather signatures. And I thought, you know, the writing's on the wall. Legalization is going to happen. This is a great time to jump into this industry. And I, I started my consulting firm in 2008 to work with those entrepreneurs who were uh, who wanted to le legitimize uh, their businesses and work to legitimize the industry. As a product of that consulting company, I learned to cultivate. I started my own cannabis company, and the rest is kind of history. The rest is history to be had, to be heard. Yeah, that's great. So let's, you know, I, I always wondered: is cannabis and marijuana something different? No, no. Cannabis and, and marijuana are one and the same. Cannabis the is plant. the more scientific name for the plant. Okay. So, um, and if you go back to it's like genealogy, it's cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, um, and the the marijuana is actually a slang term, and it was it was given to um, uh, to the plant in in the 1920s when it was first prohibited, the dawn okay. of, of prohibition. And it was somewhat a racist term. There was a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment in the time uh, because of the Great Depression. And uh, they, they didn't want uh, Mexican workers here taking jobs for them. And that, that anti-immigrant sentiment made its way into uh, prohibition. And marijuana is, actu is actually a slang term for, uh, that Mexicans use to describe marijuana and that's the where it, it's kind of born out of racism so okay. i'm not really a fan yeah, of the, yeah. the name i use cannabis okay. every time i can and i'm so. sure that's why it was switched to cannabis which is really the real name right okay except for the the, the language marijuana has sort of permeated the regulatory environment and it, it's kind of brought it back to the forefront unfortunately but then it's used interchangeably it's exactly it the same exactly meaning. the same mm -hmm. yeah so is there like a taboo surrounding you being in this business with your friends or like are you everyone's best friend? Well, I would say that that initially there was, yeah, and, and that has subsided now like, you know, being a, a marijuana entrepreneur is, is somewhat respectable. The banks still don't like us very much right. in, in the United States. A little bit like the sex industry. Yeah, right. Uh, hopefully that's changing soon. I mean, yeah. there's a, action happening in the legislature as we speak. And um, and that will change, but uh, no, it's 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 really great these days. You know, I don't have to hold my head down when I talk about what I do for a living. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So now, are you do you consider yourself a marijuana farmer? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so tell us a little bit about farmers, like the yeah. popular term, right? Tell us a little bit about that whole process of the planting and the growing and the cultivating. Like, first of all, where do you get seeds, and what kind of strains do you plant? 
So I try to maintain like uh, a lot of relationships with uh, some of the more prominent breeders in the in the uh, in the industry, and it really is its own art form uh, breeding breeding the plant. Uh, we grow only from uh, clones, so we don't start from seeds. We we will crack a seed and do what they call pheno hunt, where we will grow out 18 or nine, uh, 18 or 20 seeded plants and pick the uh, the best genotypical expression of the plant. So without getting too scientific, just the one that does best in that particular and environment. And by looking at it, you can see that or by testing it? By looking at it, okay. by testing it. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of extensive laboratory testing for terpene and cannabinoid, uh, cannabinoid profiles during those processes so that we're selecting the absolute best performing strain. We're pretty diverse, so we try to grow mostly exotics, and we might have uh, as many as 40 strains uh, in a a year in our our greenhouses. So So describe what that greenhouse looks like. How big is it? What does it look like inside, and who works there? Yeah, so we we have a couple of different uh, uh, cultivation methods. So we do have more climate-controlled greenhouses where we try to keep the humidity and temperature optimum for the plant. And then uh, we do have like com- just outdoor that we, we do what, what's called light deprivation technique, where we will uh, be out at four o'clock in the morning pulling tarps over the plants to uh, trick them into a 12 hour light cycle. So the plant thinks it's fall and it starts flowering. And that allows us to harvest multiple times in a year. We can do three harvests a year instead of one. We grow a smaller plant, generally healthier, so the quality, while the yield might not be as good, the quality is ultimately higher, and the terpene profiles are amazing. So, But it's still a big plant in general. How big is a small plant? What do you call a small plant? How tall would that be? A, a small plant might, might produce uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of four to eight ounces of marijuana, where like a, a full-time, full-term outdoor tree might produce as much as 10 pounds so the, the smaller plants are give you the better quality. so when you harvest the plant do you cut it down completely or do you just pluck the flower heads we cut the plant down completely but very methodically okay. so uh, one branch at a time so that we can properly hang it and have good air circulation around it while it's drying and curing but in general, how tall is that plant once it's ready to harvest? Uh, no more than five feet. Oh, so it's, still, it's a big plant. And do they regrow after you cut it down, or do you need a new seed? Uh, no, no, we start, we start new every time. Yeah. So you dig it back up and it starts fresh. So how many harvests can you do in a year? We do uh, three, three harvests a year for the most part in, in the greenhouses and uh, in the uh, uh, outdoor light deprivation tarped areas. And are they rolling harvests, or is it all or nothing? So you have a thousand plants, you harvest them all, and you start all over again. Because we grow such a, a diverse uh, catalog of strains, we have uh, different harvest dates. So we harvest every week. We have fresh product coming uh, available all the time. And uh, the retailer is always waiting for whatever we're going to drop next. So it's kind of fun and exciting. And how do you know when they're ready to go? Like, you know, if you look at a, an apple, it's red and ripe, and you take it off, and it's juicy. How do you know a cannabis plant is good to go? Yeah, so th- this is where there's some nuances, right? Where the experience uh, and, and the artistry of cultivation, that's one of the things we say uh, about our product is it's artfully cultivated. Yeah, that's where the artistry of cultivation comes into play. So you have a plant that uh, every 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 plant expresses differently when it's finished. And generally, you know, you have these hairs that come off of the flower. Those hairs will turn color at the end. Once they've turned color, then we start looking at the trichomes. So the trichomes are what look like the crystals when you when you look at marijuana flower in the bag, and those crystals um, are 
are the THC that grows out of the plant. And it, it's, it's, it's fun to know what, what those are for. Um, the, uh, the marijuana flower, female marijuana flower, produces that resin because it needs to catch pollen. So it's actually a reproductive function of the plant. But that reproductive function is what produces uh, the things that are intoxicating about it. So uh, I'll let you draw the correlation of what else that sounds like. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the thing is that you look at it or you're the art. But wait, wait, I got a question. Okay. So there's female and male plants? There's female and male plants. Uh, male plants produce pollen female plants produce flower and the resinous flower is intended to catch the pollen release from the male plant just like everything on the earth it's it's put here to procreate right. and that's the one thing it needs to do and wow. the bees are there making it go from pollen to to flower you know no we don't have a lot of uh, bees involved in the process so it's no. yeah yeah so that airborne pollen the, the, the male um will will let loose its yeah uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's stuff, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and the wind will carry it where it uh, where it needs to go. So oh, wow, yeah, cool. very very interesting. Yeah. And um, so when I was thinking about the, going back to the harvest, so you say it's artful, but is it really like hand done, or is there a machine that takes it out? Right. Well, and just to just to clarify, we yeah. generally keep because we grow from clone. The plants are cloned as females, and we keep them females. Okay. If you if you pollinate a female, you produce seeds, and you don't want seeds in your use in your end product so we keep males far far away the breeders keep the males on their farms we don't have any males anywhere near a production facility so but you yeah keep, you keep planting new female plants new female clones plants. of the ones that are the best ones called you see Han, you female never make only. it in this business because you want the males as close as possible I to know, you right? <laughs> and i don't think all these females in one place is a good thing yeah right yeah well, well you i know, guess it is for the marijuana industry the process of pest management can also be very very carnal but that that could be a very long conversation um so back to the harvesting is it manual like literally yes, yeah. branch by branch yes so once we have uh the, the 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 hairs of the plant turning color we start looking at the trichomes uh in uh magnification every day so we want to look close up we watch the color of those trichomes and we actually depending on the strain and, and the desired effect of that strain we will let it go to to varying degrees of ripeness. So for example, like a very indica heavy sedative uh, cannabis strain, we would want to let as many of those trichomes turn amber, maybe as much as uh, 10%, because it will help accentuate that effect. Where sativas, as soon as we have all milky trichomes, then we'll, we'll take that plant down. Wow, so in general, there's the two types, you said indica and sativa? Uh, well, those are the, if you go to the base genealogy, it actually gets a lot more complicated than that. Okay, but, yeah. so we'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah. <laughs> and so once they take them, you said you want to give them a lot of air to dry. What, what do you do with each branch? So they're, they're cut down by hand and they're put in a uh, polyethylene food grade uh, container. Okay. We bring them into our dry spaces, which are carefully climate controlled. We, keep, we control the size of them, first of all. They're generally about 600 square feet. Like a giant warehouse would be. Drying warehouse divided into 600 square feet oh, okay. microclimates, mm -hmm. and then we can more closely control the temperature and humidity in these microclimates, and then we, we hang the, the branches of the plant where, in a way that the air can circulate around it. We then push air through that, that room at precisely... So is uh, that a few inches apart or like a foot apart? Like how... Uh, inches, yeah. Inches, okay. Um, and... Uh, 
we push air through that at a precise temperature and humidity level so that it takes the moisture out of that plant. That's generally like a seven to 10 day process. Oh. Then it goes back into a food grade polyethylene uh, tote and put in another climate controlled environment where it finishes that curing process for the next few weeks before it can be ready oh, so to it's several trim. weeks, almost a month basically from the cutting to being fully cured? About three weeks to do it properly. Wow. Not, not everybody gives it its full term, but again, we, we, we're connoisseur grade, so we and, we... and do any of the plants that have been harvested get chucked out because now that they're hanging there, they're just not looking so pretty? Absolutely. So you, anytime you, that you farm, you have some crop loss. So you might have things that uh, have developed botrytis or other you know, mold problems, and, and we pull those things out. Um, and then sometimes, you're right, it just doesn't finish well, and we don't have a whole lot of that kind of stuff. But if we're trying a new strain and maybe it didn't produce well in the environment we put it in, uh, those things are, are – we finish curing them, but they won't make it into uh, our regular product development. Those are the things we send off to be extracted. Cool. Now, you must have a bunch of employees that work for you. Do you guys have like uh, human resource policies where your employees can't munch on the plants? <laughs> yeah. Especially during yeah. hours? Well, if you eat the plants, they won't get you high. The okay. THC has to be decarboxylated into THCA before it will intoxicate you. So just eating flour won't, uh, won't get you there. But yeah, we do have very strict uh, drug use policies. And a lot of our employees work in the industry because... We, you know, they, you don't get drug tested. Like you can, you can have, uh, you know, if you were a, yeah. a truck driver, you couldn't use it at all because right. You, right. if you test positive, you lose your job. But if you're a harvester, you sure can, right? You sure can, but just not at the workplace. Yes, right? So we're, we're regulated um, by the uh, Oregon Liquor Control Commission, who uh, has rules around that. So not only can we have we can't have people legally impaired at work but then you know there's an you know it's an obligation that we have to each other to each other's safety and um productivity so i'm so looking forward into our second uh, going into our second segment all about the processing i I've, i'm not a user i've never touched cannabis in my life and this whole experience chatting with you michael is is very eye-opening so some of the questions that i'm going to ask are going to be like from this newbie out there um you know when it comes to sex and sexuality we are pros we are there but when it comes to cannabis this is this is really a fun show that we're doing learning a lot about it from the inside out Mm -hmm. so we're just going to take a break right here this this is definitely a very very interesting discussion remind everybody that we are carol and david this is the sexy lifestyle and we're talking with cannabis expert michael horner from zuni cannabis so stay right there so you know people have been asking us what's changed after four years of doing the podcast well a lot has but to be honest the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples you know what i'm talking about men tend to finish before their female partners you've heard us talk about promescent for years their urologist developed fda compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64 percent longer without loss of sensation and it's great because promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at 
ask at carolandavid.com and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. All right, we're back. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Cal and David, and um, I'm just loving the show. Um, I want to get back to, chat- to chatting with Michael Horner, who is one of the co-founders of Zuni Cannabis. And now we're going to get into the whole processing process. <laughs> yeah. Or the... Uh, the processing of the cannabis plant. The processing of the cannabis plant. We now learned how it's growing, and you know now it's hanging from racks in a warehouse that are drying it or keeping it at the right humidity. So now what, what's next, Michael? Well, why don't you start by telling us about what are the ingredients in the actual plant? Where are they located in the plant and what do they do? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Well, the two questions that really correlate to each other because the, the key thing now that you've cut the plant down, I mean, you've, you've given it all of the good organic nutrients that it needs. You've protected it from pests in the environment so that it's able to produce its, uh, its best flower. Now the job in curing that flower is to preserve those terpenes and cannabinoids to the, to the fullest extent that you can. And, um, and that, that is really important to our curing process. So after it stays in the, uh, those, those polyethylene totes for uh, two weeks, uh, we, we then um, will put it on our uh, trim table. Everything that we do uh, is uh, is is by hand. Oh so yeah, I see that. Wow. We don't use any any machines. Wow. So, uh, and that's again a, a function of pres- preserving the cannabinoids and the terpenes, and uh, and that's a very interesting discussion. So there's like something like 900 different cannabinoids in the plant, right? And and we've identified so far the most dominant ones. But it's just like when you look at the human genome, when they talk about junk DNA, right? Which is really just the DNA we don't understand yet. Right. Um, cannabinoids are, you know, somewhat the same. So we, 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 we've now made THC very famous. Uh, everybody knows CBD. about CBD now. Mm-hmm. And now uh, CBN is be- becoming very popular. Um, and, and some of the benefits of that and... There's all these other cannabinoids where the medical research is just now getting started on it. And uh, we're able to identify some cannabinoids that help like suppress appetite that could have some functions in as dietary supplements. These are natural products, which is why the interest is there. Yeah, they are natural products. And and uh, there's even been like uh, several companies now who have launched, um, you know, uh, sex products, lube and other things mm-hmm. that contain CBD, CBN and other other um, either sexual heightening or hygiene enhancing uh, properties for personal. Now, are the major pharmaceuticals jumping in on this research and do they want to take you know, advantage of the fact that that could be something as a product in their product yeah. line? Well, the Going thing forward. about big pharma is they like to synthesize everything, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you have opiates and opioids. Opioids are synthesized in laboratories. So um, they've synthesized their own cannabinoids. And so things like, uh, you know, the, the, some of the cancer uh, drug treatments and um, a- anti-seizure um, medication that, that has been produced by the pharmaceutical, it's all been synthesized in the laboratory. So it's not really the same natural medicine mm-hmm. that God intended when he put, it, put the plant on this earth. So. so the ingredients you mentioned are where on the plant? Uh, it, like 
in the in the flower of the plant. Only in the flower. Yeah, they're found in very trace amounts in other parts of the plant. But uh, again, the the resin that I mentioned yeah. contains those the cannabinoids and uh, terpenes in concentrated. So amounts. on your trimming table, they're extracting the actual flower head or doing something with the flower. Correct. And what happens with the rest of the plant that's now dried and brittle? So any what we would call like a B grade flower, something that doesn't quite make the make the cut um that goes into a trimming machine and gets turned into um like a, the b-grade product might end up in a pre-roll or uh, uh an extract um and then the 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 hand trimming process produces what we call like a sugar trim so it still has lots of resin on it but when we manicure the flour to look good in the package we end up with all that stuff on the table and those things generally get sent to uh, our extraction partner for uh, producing our vape pens and things like that. And what about the leaves and the stems and all of that stuff? Where does it go? We compost that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ends up so going there's, back no, the there's no use of it for it? Not as of yet, no. And no. when we talk about the hemp plant, is that the same as the cannabis plant? Things are made from hemp, but is it part of the cannabis plant? They're, they're cousins. Or, cousins, yeah. oh, okay, okay. So, so uh, you know, hemp hemp is a totally different animal. I am not an expert of, of hemp. Okay. Uh, the the, the Practical application for hemp is, is very limited, huh. and from what I know about the industry, like most of the companies who have invested heavily in hemp infrastructure are all looking to flip the switch to THC once we have federal legalization. So hemp, the hemp market's you know, 20, $20 billion a year worldwide, where the cannabis market promises to be $150 billion wow. just in the U.S. alone by 2022, according to Merrill Lynch. So I see why you're in the get business, high. right? People want to get high, and that's the, that's the, that, at the end of the day, that's what what it's all about right yeah exactly yeah well we're, we're gonna get into the the difference between getting high and using cannabis products that don't get you high in a second um, let's in, enlighten me a little bit about the different ways people are using cannabis products today the fastest growing market segment since I've gotten into the business has been in concentrates like it used to everybody smoked a joint uh, 12 years ago now everybody's got a vape pen in their purse mm-hmm. and even with the vape crisis that, that that it happened last year where people were putting some not so great additives in it those were often like black market or untested products that were causing those those health problems and we identified what the problem was and removed those things from uh, that those things weren't really getting used in in tested and regulated cannabis anyway but now they're not necessarily making people sick anymore there's still health consequences to vaping I mean anything you do in excess will so explain to you. us what the vaping is like I don't even know what that's all about like yeah. I know there's a pen and there's something I don't even know how it works so explain to me how so, that works so uh, you go you go through the process we, we prefer like co2 supercritical extraction because it's solvent free um, there are some uh, connoisseur grade extracts that people like that use solvents um, we like to be like just a little more natural uh, and so they use a, a supercritical extraction method which is not unlike the way they decaffeinate coffee same similar. similar process yeah and um and then that goes into uh the the, the extract that that makes goes into um uh, an alcohol vat where where it becomes uh, distillate through um, uh, adding heat and boiling the alcohol off so you end up with something that's that's clean Very and it's natural yeah and then yeah. you put a drop of that how does it work with a pen you usually a, a pin will you become a half gram or a gram of oil in the pin and you screw it onto a battery which has like a uh, the the cartridge has a little heating element in it, and that that heating element uh, heats up to the desired temperature to um, to vaporize it. the oil, 
and uh, the idea is that you don't inhale the burnt plant material, which are which is carcinogenic. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's slightly safer than you know, so when you're inhaling, you're actually inhaling the oil itself, or is it like a moisture with oil in it? So the vapor of the oil. Yeah. And then you get that, and it's so it's going into your lungs, and it's going into your bloodstream through your lungs. Yes. Similar to smoking it, but without the ash and the smoke that goes with it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So then, what is the difference between what's in a joint for smoking and the concentrate? Is it a the same level of concentration in those two things? So the, the concentration in a, uh, 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 as far as testing goes, in a vape cartridge might be anywhere from 70 to 90% THC. So it's a, a lot higher in THC. Okay. But it puts it into your body at a slower rate. Where so you might just do like one inhalation, whereas a joint, you might have to take the whole joint and get the same amount. No, it's it's actually the opposite. Oh, the opposite. So where one good hit off of a joint of, of a quality uh, flower, which may be testing at 25 to 28 percent will put more of that 25 or 28 percent into your lungs at any given time where the vape cartridge even though it's t the, the, the oil is 90 percent pure you're putting small amounts introducing oh. smaller amounts and so is one better than the other or it really comes down to personal preference I and mean, a lot of people just still like the the idea of smoking a joint you know that's uh, we're very flower centric in our company uh -huh. because there's very few people who can do this the, the that boutique real boutique grade and, it, and we're in a unique geogra geographic location on the planet in order to produce that very high quality and so that's that's kind of our uh, our central business uh, and and there will always be a niche for it people will always like to go back to the most natural way in my opinion right. to consume cannabis which is as God created it. So right? when we talked earlier about the different ingredients that are in cannabis, you, you mentioned the CBD, you mentioned the THC and now the CBN but what um like, what are the, the effects that people would have on those three different things? How do they affect us? Because THC will make you high, but CBD doesn't, right? right. So let's talk about well, that. Well, and, and it really comes down to a combination of things. So the CBD might have like a, a, a counter effect to the THC. So you might smoke something that's very, very high in THC, but also has some uh, CBD, which sort of brings that level down to a more even keel. What you're seeing now a lot in edibles is them uh, using sort of a cocktail of, of different cannabinoids to create a desired effect. When it comes down to flour or extract, though, a lot of it has to do with the terpene profiles. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, terpenes are, are really what it's all about, where a lot of the new science is being focused on is where these, where these terpenes, and we already know a bit about it, right, from aromatherapy, like lavender will relax you. Right. When right. there are uh, terpenes in the cannabis plant, which are the same terpenes in a lavender plant, oh, right? Let's see. Okay. And while there are uh, uh, some dominant terpenes in cannabis, it can have a very diverse uh, uh, terpene profile. And we try to grow uh, plants that have the most diverse terpene profiles. That, you know, where it doesn't just smell like skunk; it will smell right. like pineapple and skunk yeah. and diesel fuel and um, kind of like a wine a when wine. you're tasting a wine. Kind of the like the tannins of, in wine is a very, very good example. So, and those real flower connoisseurs, they're looking for those diverse terpene profiles when they select a strain, and often that's where the nuances between strains come into play. So, why you might like an OG Kush, this person likes a sour diesel. The difference is how do those terpenes and the terpene profile of that particular strain play with their individual body chemistry? So, a lot of it has to do with just experimenting and finding what general terpene types work for you. And we developed an app, it's called the, the Terpenality app, that helps people decide kind of what their 
terpenality is and what sort of uh, strains they should be looking at and, and what sort of terpene profiles will work for them. It sounds like it's going to become uh, like the wine industry where you're going to have connoisseurs everywhere about the different strains and like, like the wine industry is. I don't like I, I see a comparison completely. Yeah, absolutely. So again, me being, you know, the simple, I don't know anything about this. We're talking about vaping. We're talking about joints, which I get. You spoke a little bit about edibles, but now we've heard on a couple of experts who've been on our show where there are creams that you can put on cocks and on pussies, and they help um, a little bit with issues related to sexuality, and we'll talk about that in Great Sex Matters, but I just want to understand, in those creams and oils, is there THC or are they just CBD? My, my guess is just by... Um uh, process of regulation, right? So, uh, because of the Farm Act in the United States, it is uh, legal to to grow and harvest hemp, which is high in CBD, as long as it's below, I think it's like 0.03% THC. So, it, my guess a bit in those widely distributed creams where they can sell them in, in varying markets, that they would be mostly like CBD, CBN, other cannabinoids besides. THC, mm. which is the, so the one so that's mostly responsible for the psychoactive effects of cannabis. Although those other cannabinoids can also have mild psychoactive So effects. most likely the creams are not giving you a high. They're just, you're getting only the medicinal. They're helping to produce, uh, allow more blood flow to, to the area. Um, they're, they're known for reducing inflammation. So maybe uh, if your goal is to prolong sexual activity, that that might have uh, some great, uh, great effect. Um, knowing what I know about sexual sensitivity and how those things work, you know, the anti-inflammatory probably isn't the, the optimum thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. A lot of the CBD stuff is, is, is snake oil, quite honestly. Like, you know, there's a, it, it, it cures everything. It, it'll make you grow hair. David, that might be something you look at. Um, <laughs> no, I like being bald. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, cures cancer and make your, you know, your teeth white and, yeah. and all that other stuff. And, 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 you know, there is like, uh, uh like any snow call, there's a, there, there's a, there's a pillar of truth in all of that. Mm -hmm. There are these, these, uh, positive health effects. It's not necessarily like the panacea to everything. I, I like the idea they're including it in a lot of sexual products because there, there are certainly are benefits to things like, like blood flow and, uh, an anti-inflammatory. Now when it comes to cannabinoids, is there, is there such a thing as too much? Cannabinoids? Yes. Um, well, yes. I mean, if you've ever ate an edible that somebody made at home and wasn't, uh, had a metered dose and about, you spent half your gummy, day. Huh? Oh, gummy, yes. I did try a gummy one time and I took a whole gummy. I should have taken you probably spent a half quarter your, of one. have your night crawling around on the bedroom floor saying, take me to the emergency room. Uh -huh. Yeah. So there is a, there's definitely a too much, uh, and, and it, with the edibles, it's interesting because that's that's often where that happens. Yeah. And so because... Is it because there's no control and people just put in what they think is right? Yeah. Or it and tastes they, good. They want more. Or they don't feel it right above, away. All the above. Well, the, the, scientifically, so the, the cannabinoid attach, attaches to a, a lipid, right? So it means it's a fat. Fats digest lower in your digestive system than sugars or yeah. glycogen, right? So uh, your body takes longer to process it, and everybody's different depending on like how healthy your liver is and how you process lipids. Uh, and, and, and so the uptake times, while they can estimate these things and put them on a package, can vary greatly from person to person, and also how it was prepared. If you take a gummy that was um, uh, made in a regulated environment and tested, it, it might... Um, 
be made from like a distillate product, a distilled cannabis product, where if you ate a brownie that your bro made in the kitchen, yeah. he probably cooked that down with some flour and some butter and you just don't know, right. you know, how, how potent And it's that yummy, might it's be. down already, you can't take it's it back great. out, right? You can't take it back and when it comes, it comes. Or if you're taking something that takes a little longer, you go, oh, I don't even feel that yet. And then you take yeah. more and then it all hits you at once. Right. And those, those things can be kind of dangerous. The future of edibles though, and I think that's really the future of the industry, um, is, is, is pretty amazing. So already they, they have, um, using nanotechnology, micronized the cannabinoid uh, down to, to pretty small uh, particles that will attach better to sugars, right? So they process Why, why do you have to eat it with a sugar or brownie? You can't just take a pill? Sure, you, you could. Um, people generally don't, though. Yeah, right? I know, I mean, right? Yeah. They don't. I've seen, th we have products like that in Oregon and California where you just drop sublinguals, you just drop under your tongue. Yeah. Uh, different tablets you can take, but... Uh, but everybody wanted to cook the flour and get the THC out of it and then make it taste good by adding sugar and chocolate and other things. Well, gummies have gotten super popular. Yeah. And, you know, my wife uses a, uh, a low-dose THC gummy like medicine. She uses it to right. help sleep at night or, or to relax when she's feeling anxious. And, and it's a combination of CBD, CBN, and THC that's just perfect to, to, to put her in that place. And those things are getting getting super popular. And, and uh, drinks, like that's the future. Like oh, people, really? People prefer alcohol because you, you have drink a more it. predictable experience, yeah. right? You drink one glass of wine, it makes you feel this way. You drink three, it makes you feel another way, right? right? And we can we feel like we have some sort of control. Where with cannabis edibles, it, it isn't always like that. Yeah. One hits you a little faster than the other one. And uh, the, the, the experience is less predictable. So that the big boys who are in the industry, so like Constellation Brands, which is like the third largest alcohol distributor, um, you know, uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, or, or their parent company now is involved in the in the cannabis industry and owns a stake in a large cannabis company. The kind of research that these guys are doing, they're trying to glycosylate the plant, so make it make the cannabinoid bind to sugar other than fats, so make a more predictable experience out of it, so they can just drink it when you go buy a, a Budweiser branded. Yeah cannabis seltzer off yeah. of the shelf and you know it's a predictable right. experience every time that's kind of the future that's where like, the uh, industry is uh, it's like four steroids <laughs> no it's like four percent alcohol you know what it's going to do right. to your body right. in a certain and period you of time it's slower or faster like if you you know you know what a glass of wine like you said but if you take that over an hour you know exactly what it's going to do for you absolutely instead of downing it like a shot would be well you know that what that's going to do to you too i guess you're right right, right. <laughs> so right. i mean it's, it's a great segue into the next question we wanted to know which is about marketing all this newness that's that's out there now um, telling people like us who really have no clue uh how to buy something how to know what it's going to do to you at so the end right. of the day so how is it marketed and, and what should the consumer look for in terms of you, you you've been talking about you know boutique and niche and high-end and organic and I'm sure there's the low end where you're, it's almost grass that's it that's in the, the, the product that grass, you're buying right? <laughs> so, yeah. so so how is it marketed in uh, in the US in Canada where we are um, it's marketed most of the time by the government agencies the same boards that um, regulate alcohol um, uh, what's safe and and what do we you look for when you're buying it yeah, one of the interesting dynamics about the U.S. market is that the, the you know not all states have legal cannabis, and every state is different, and you can't go from state to state with mm. a cannabis product. So there's no like, you know, national marketing efforts around it right now. It's all very localized. Uh, you know, I mentioned our Terpenality app, which was which was the product of a lot of market research that, that we did before starting the company. And uh, you know, Jennifer and I, uh, the the co-founder. Um, 
we we're marketeers. That's sort of our our background. That's what we do. And and uh, we had to look at the industry from from that perspective when we got in to decide how how and to what level we wanted to get in. And um, and we did a lot of market research. So we did a, you know some online surveys. We went to Colorado one year after legalization in Colorado and sat with people and did some focus groups. And um, we were really uh, concerned with identifying who, who we were calling like the can of curious, right? And these are people who have not yet engaged with cannabis as a consumer product. And those, those people... Um, are you know the, the the soccer moms like for a long time and it's changing now the fastest growing demographic was women 35 to 50 right like because they didn't like, touch it before there was that taboo around being high or whatever yeah. right and men will buy it from their bros like we have higher right. risk tolerance than you know and, and so the the industry is sort of established with a with a type of marketing right like that i call it the, the 420 stoner marketing where it's like it, you know it has a, a language all its own and it's it, it hasn't evolved much over the years and and it works right for the 10 percent of the planet that is already yeah. engaged with cannabis as a consumer product but for the other 90 percent who aren't here yet why are they not and what is it going to take them to get take to get them here which I'm, is I'm that audience yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and that was the question we asked when we started our market research and uh, we, we did we went into retail stores which is a horrible experience I mean in my opinion the retail environment in cannabis is just ripe for disruption and there's a handful of retailers that are doing it really well but for most part you walk into a store you, know, you got some loud music and they have a cute girl on the back side of the counter which is not a bad thing but she may not be that much of a cannabis expert yeah. and they have uh, 700 strain names on the wall and you're scratching your head we'll go you know what does this do right and and that led to the development of our terpenality app and it was really just a short questionnaire uh about kind of your personality type how you would use it like what would what would be the things you would want to do while using cannabis um and, and a, just a few personal questions about about who you are and and we can make a recommendation within our five uh flavor profiles which were are are essentially the dominant terpene types in cannabis and um, and give you somewhat of a more predictable experience without having to have that sommelier level knowledge of all those strains and the genealogy of the plant like how did this get bred and what seven things did it take to make Girl Scout cookies and yeah. why do I like that phenotype more yeah. than this you know or this uh, um, uh, strain more than that strain and and uh, so you know there's there's a, a few of very dominant um, terpenes that are uh, cannabis uh, uh, in, in cannabis and some that are cannabis specific and any combination of those will create a, a certain experience and it made it just easier for people to engage with our product so People who have that mindset, like finding a good retailer is important. Yeah, you know, you walk say. in and someone who can educate you and guide you in the right direction is really priceless. It, it just came to mind when you were talking that, so if I'm going to go in and ask for my favorite brand, like I guess like cigarettes, some people want, I don't know, I don't even know a brand of cigarettes today, but Rothman's versus something else. Yeah. Is there, is there such a thing? Is there a specific brand made by a specific company or does only one company per store? Right. So, uh, so both, right? Okay. Uh, you know, we, we, you have like um, Cookies, for example, in California, which is a very prolific brand in the United States, has, has branded stores where you can also buy other people's product, but they also have their, their brand on the shelf in multiple dispensaries. Think of it like Starbucks, right? You can so buy if Starbucks. I buy cookies from this store or this store or this store, they should be all the same. Yeah, although they, because of the, 
the regulatory nature of cannabis, they were probably grown in different locations. Oh. Like one of the marketing advantages that we have is we market our region. Like our farms are all, are all within a few feet of each other, right? Yeah. And so everything is grown in the same alluvian soil from the Rogue River Valley. Everything is grown in the same microclimate. So we have very consistent exp- uh, phenotypical yeah. expressions of our genes all the way across the board. I, I don't Sorry if I'm waxing too scientific on it, but yeah. we have a very consistent yeah. uh, product. And and because of that, you get into like almost like regional marketing. Like people know that you go, if you want, if you like Cabernets, you go to the Napa yeah. Valley to find the best Cabernets, right? Yeah. And uh, so people know that if they come in and they ask for Zuni, like, hey, what is what is the next drop from, from Zuni? Mm-hmm. They go, hey, we've got this strain and this strain that just came out. They, mm-hmm. they already know what level to expect from us. So is that the branding you use, Zuni? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. anybody who... It's so cool because it's just like having this this vintage year of wine or scotch that... You some, know, some years are better than others. It must be some growing seasons are better than others too, right? Yeah, but unfortunately we can't preserve the flower in the future growing <laughs> seasons, right? It still expires on the shelf. So, uh, you know... It, and, and that it'd be great if we could, right? Like if you could open up a Zuni from uh, 2017, God, uh-huh. we had such a great year. Uh-huh. Well, right? and what would be the expiry date? Like how long does it last? The potency of the twelve to eighteen months, depending on how it's stored. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Generally, we store everything on the branch. We don't trim it till it's ready to sell. It degrades the, the slowest from there. We'd rather do that than like ni- bathe it in nitrogen and store it in vacuum right. sealed bags, like some people right. do. But once you harvest it and sell it in the store, how long would it last? Like, is are they dated? Is it is there expiry dates on the yeah. packaging? Yeah. So we're yeah. Best part of the yeah. Well, we don't do the best before, but there's a harvest date on oh, everything, okay. and that's required by law. So you if you do pick up something, you go ah, that's probably so. Even though you harvested it, uh, like let's say twelve months ago, you stored it properly, and now you've just sold it, even though it looks like it's twelve months old, it might not be. Is what did I hear that correctly? Yeah. So generally, we we don't sell anything beyond like six months after oh, okay. the harvest date it okay. can last that long like you can yeah. buy something for me six months after it was harvested yeah. go home and keep it in a, a in a sealed cool dry yeah. environment and it'll be good for you for six months but um generally we try to st- if anything gets to be that old which it never we sell through oh, okay gotcha everything we grow pretty quickly gotcha. uh then you we would just send it off to be extracted at that point wow, wow. Yeah. there's another great segment all about the processing of the plant and the selling of it that's so 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 interesting just remind everybody that this is the sexy lifestyle we are carol and david and we're talking with cannabis expert michael horner from zuni cannabis coming up next is our favorite segment great sex matters but first a shout out from another one of our show sponsors stay right there Alrighty, let's take a minute to talk about Hedonism 2 Resort in Jamaica. You know it's one of our favorite places to hang out naked on the beach, and it is the sexiest place on earth where you can be as mild or as wild as you like. As we've already mentioned, Hedo's going to be celebrating their 40th anniversary this year, so come and join us for all the celebrations over Halloween week, October 30th to November 6th. You won't want to miss any of this sexy fun event where Hedo goes all out with special activities and entertainment. And this year, everything's going to be extra special for their 40th anniversary. Go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, and click on the Hedo Anniversary event and book the sexiest and most erotic party of the year. All right, we're back. 
This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and you know it is now time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And today, great sex matters is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to get down and dirty with Michael. We're <laughs> Which we love to do with our guests, but you're do. off the hook today. <laughs> we do. But we're going to talk about how everything we've just learned about harvesting and growing and marketing, and now that you have your cannabis, CBD... THC, whatever product you bought, you made, the brownies, now you have it at home, how it could possibly affect positively or negatively your sex life. Right. So let's start by talking about if there are certain strains of cannabis that would be more recommended to use if you want to have a great sexual experience. Right. So, um, you know, generally things that are um, uh, rich in uh uh, pinene, limonene, and carophyllene, which are three very dominant terpenes in cannabis, will will have a very relaxing and calming effect. And we all know that, you know, especially yeah. if you have a new partner, like sometimes relaxing is a really good thing, and uh, allow you to be a little more open, open and open-minded, which is which is a, a good thing. In in uh, is that in a specific I've strain that has that? Like, can you recommend a strain, or you just have to look at, like, on your packaging? Do you? Give that terpene analysis so people know how, what's in there? We do. We, we'll, we'll let them know what dominant ter- terpenes okay. there, there are. Um, we do terpene analysis on all of our strains, and those results are always available through the retailer by, by law. They have to be made available. Okay. And then people have, have developed their you know their their favorites but mm-hmm. generally um anything that is considered to have like an indica dominant genealogy um and uh like a, like kush plants are, are really good for those for those terpene types um and uh you know uh, the purples like granddaddy purple and i can just imagine we need like a almost a dictionary of what's included, what it'll do for you. I don't know if you would call it a dictionary, but you know, but, but books that tell you. I think there's a lot of learning to be done here. They they are, and 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 you know, our desire when we developed the app was to get people was to engage with people. First, we wanted to make it easy to dive in, right? But then the evolution of the app, which started as a point of sale thing, was okay. How do we continue to engage with them and educate the consumer so right. that they can start making more educated decisions as they become a more sophisticated user? One of the, of the reasons why we have our podcast is to educate people about sex and sexuality and have a better life. So you kind of maybe you need a podcast right. to tell everybody about your product. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go backwards here okay. because yeah. something didn't click in my head. Go ahead. So. Normally, when you go into a sexual experience, you want to be turned on and aroused and excited. Why would I take something that's going to chill me and relax me? Well, I mean... We're going to let Michael answer this question. Yes, I know. I'm just thinking out loud how great sex might be. I don't know. Like, I'm, if I'm too chilled and relaxed, how am I going to get a hard cock? (laughs) Well... (laughs) So, so, uh, it's much like uh, uh, this island that we're sitting on right now, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the vibe here is very chill and very relaxed and and we know how it loans itself to, to that process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we, as humans, we carry with us a lot of social anxiety. I mean, we're all prone to it. Some of us more than others. And anytime you can reduce that social anxiety, I think it opens you up for, Mm -hmm. for better sex. Mm -hmm. So it gets rid of that busyness in your brain unless you focus in on the moment being present. Absolutely. So I, I almost think that now not you don't need a dictionary. You kind of need to, this is what I want to happen. Which strains would be good for that? And it might be a reverse 
kind of a book that you said these are all the things like if I want to have a great orgasm can you think off the top of your head yeah. what might help the blood flow and like that I mean I don't know two fingers know. and a tongue <laughs> well and again it goes back to the buying habits right like finding a great retailer that has very educated bud tenders selling the product at the counter they can they they're uh, worth their weight in gold because okay. they can really help guide you so babe you're going to walk into the store you're going to say I want to have multiple orgasms which strain should I buy well I guess it's like that in a toy store you go into a sex toy store and you say what your what your end goal is and they're going to sell yeah. you the right vibrator and, and for you, it and you hope the, 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 the sales girl in the yeah. store is educated enough to point right. you to the, the right know, 15 inch dildo that vibrates and spins is that what that's what uh, I, I don't need know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly like that's those. what I need I guess so I'm just trying to parallel how the wine industry, this now the cannabis industry and the sex industry are kind of similar. You have to learn. You have to get to know what works for you, how it works, and, and everybody has a different body so and a different I got, taste. I got another question, okay? Because I'm a guy and I want a hard cock and I want to last longer. Does um, any of these strains, whether it be um, smoking a joint or vaping or eating a brownie, allow me to stay harder longer and last for longer better sex so i don't know of the viagra strain just yet but uh <laughs> that's worth getting we'll into, work by on the it way. we will work on it right uh but but again like it, it, the same thing and and so a lot of uh, erectile dysfunction is uh and you guys are sex experts so correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of uh, erectile dysfunction is caused by social angst right mm-hmm. we get performance anxiety and that uh hampers our our ability to to, to get ready and and um, if you reduce that social angst to more likely just to fall right into that, that and without falling asleep because I think David's point is absolutely <clears throat> right you don't want to be falling asleep in the middle of it so it's enough to relax you but not put you to sleep the last obviously. time right the last time Carol took these gummies we had friends over we were supposed to have an orgy the three of them took obviously too much and Carol started giving me a blowjob and 30 seconds into it she says how'd you like that I said you've only been doing it 30 seconds she says well what do you mean 30 seconds it seems like I've been doing it for half an hour I know, right? and yeah. then she went to sleep and the evening was over it's how true. do you prevent yeah. that from happening well I mean it you kind of have to learn what works for you right 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 and, and, that, and that's just it like if I was going back to the retail experience you know if you're a woman you're walking to to a marijuana store, hopefully find a female butt tender who, who actually might know the answers to those questions or a male butt tender to answer those questions like, hey, what works for you in these situations mm-hmm. and get good feedback. And uh, and if you're if, if they don't really know the answers to those questions or they think that they're silly or ridiculous, you're probably in the wrong store and mm-hmm. you should just go mm-hmm. find another one. Uh, because those are, those are serious questions that people yeah. have. Like, hey, I've heard this makes sex great. What strains do I want to be using for mm-hmm. that as a man? Mm-hmm. They should be able to guide you in that direction. I know one of the main issues with being high, I don't know if it's the THC or the CBD that makes you get very dry, the dry mouth and the dry pussy. Um, so, like, are there some strains that are more lubricating, less lubricating, or less drying out? Like, how does that work? You know, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, let's let, uh, let try me take it that later. Back. More <laughs> indica dominant strains generally will give you more of those dry eye, dry mouth okay. symptoms. So where probably similarly. But they all will. They all will. Okay. Right? So you just need lots of good lube. And, right. and something to sip on all the time, because that was the, the thing I found when I was having sex when I was super high that night, is that... I, I couldn't even kiss properly because my mouth was so dry. Okay. All I was thinking about was, I don't know, more brownies or whatever it so, was. So I'm getting here that um, if you're consuming some of these products, you get your your inhibitions are a little bit more chill. I think so. Right? So um, would it be dangerous for Carol to like 
take these gummies again and me to try and have anal sex with her? Could, could I hurt her? Well, if I'm not feeling it, it, it doesn't numb. Does it numb things in your body? Is it like... Well, yeah. So it, it actually might help with something like that, right? Because again, she's going to be right she's going to be more relaxed, <laughs> right? And um, and her pain level from everything will be reduced, right? Especially uh, again on those more indica dominant type strains, like right. I was talking about those purples and those cushions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're not going to be feeling a, a lot of that pain. And some of those have a very there's 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 strains that are known more for a head high. Mm-hmm. And there's strains that are known more for a body high. And those strains I just mentioned are very, like, sort of body high centric. Mm-hmm. So it kind of takes your body and just melts it a little mm-hmm. bit. So you're going to be relaxed there in the muscles. And uh, and your pain level is going to be reduced. So, uh, you know, by nature of that, cool. sure, I think it cool. could be great. Now, now what if I Anal sex help. <laughs> I can always keep fantasizing. Keep dreaming, baby. Keep, keep dreaming. That's not Now, what if I took some CBD oil and gave her like a pussy massage and rubbed her clit with it. What what would she feel? Well, I don't know that she would feel anything different than uh, just using like regular lubricant. I think where you might see some benefits to that is like in a faster recovery, right? So if you're uh, you know you're on vacation and you're having sex three four times a day, like that might help reduce some inflammation and mm-hmm. get you ready for the next time, right? Mm-hmm. And what about for a guy? Um, what, rubbing on his cock? Is that yeah. What I mean? Yeah, I guess there's going to be friction on the tip of your cock, too, so rubbing that on might help similarly. Yeah, similar, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then it's, so there's there are a few strains, too, that are also known for, um, you know, helping with, like, like nerve nerve pain, right? Um, and, and generally those same strains that are known for that sort of body high, that relaxing body high, um, and it, it, particularly, um, you know, something high in, in carophylline or, or pinene uh, will... Um, make you just a little more hypersensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. my and my exper- personal experience has been if my sex partner has consumed something like that, that they're just a just a little more sensitive in the genitalia. So that's kind of nice cool. for women, anyway. I don't know about men, but you know, I'm thinking more and more that I'm willing to try something. Just dip my toe in and try it. It's you know, well, especially I, I especially for sleep. And for, you know, a little bit more heightened pleasure and excitement and just a different feel, um, you know. That would be kind of cool. So I guess that leads us to our final question, which we wanted to ask you. Basically, for someone who's never used any cannabis products. Like me. You're right. What would be the best way for them to get started and have a a very positive experience? Yeah, positive experience. My my suggestion would be to take a low-dose uh edible something that is you know regulated to five and i think in oregon uh and california they're limited to five uh milligrams per dose that would be considered low dose five milligrams five milligrams i think is is a low dose i think jennifer uh my wife takes something more like two and a half uh but then if you have also something that has cbd or cbn in it because you're going to get that counterbalance effect which means if you take a little too much it's going to keep you from getting too high and maybe so the packaging always shows how much thc does it also show how much cbd and how much cbn yes okay so any all, measurable all amount of canna- cannabinoid will be okay. on there yeah okay so or, or more there's is there more than those yeah. three I, I, something that's like a one-to-one like a five percent cbd thc would be a, a great place to start start with one um don't if you don't feel it as intense don't immediately take another one because you don't know how your body is going to react if you try one one night and one wasn't enough, try two the second oh, night. Okay, got you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you don't want to mess it up and then get so stoned that screwed up your little experiment, right? To figure it out if it what works and what doesn't work. Right, but then if you start taking it habitually, you will develop a tolerance, and you'll have mm-hmm. to increase your dose. Oh, okay. So. I guess it's like anything else. Just start slowly and yeah. see how it goes. And yeah. um, baby steps, and then think about it and figure it out. And so the different strains. Again, if you have a good person at the store, can tell you what where to start with which type, and if they don't remember the like what you just said. Um, so it's finding a good store, basically, right? Number one, find a, find a great retailer with bud tenders who know how to guide you. I mean, it's, it's like that anywhere. You want to get a good steak, you find a good butcher. You want good fish, you find a good fisherman. You want to get good wine, you talk to the sommelier and bread. And it, it's, it's just so logical, yeah. right? And, and people sometimes on the cannabis side, they just buy what they think is good and really all they have to do is ask questions right there's so much information and more and more all the time so michael we're at the end of our show really really educational informational show i loved it i'm gonna go back and listen to it many times because i'm thinking that i'm gonna dip my toes in because there's a couple of things sleep wise especially that i'd like to see if it helps with why don't you take a minute tell everyone how they can find your company your website if you're on social media yeah so zunicannabis.com uh and uh, on instagram at zuni brand uh my my uh, and zuni is z-u-n-i z-u-n-i and you can find uh, my, my podcast page on Instagram as well at Cultivating Excellence, right? which yeah. has a lot more farm process pictures and things like that, like live from the farm kind of stuff. So, Life cool. on the farm, the yeah. cannabis farm. That's very cool. Yeah. Where I refer to myself often as a ganja farmer. So. <laughs> Beautiful. That was all great information. Thanks so much, Michael. We're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic guests, and we hope you do too. Visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, to find out more about all our expert guests, and you can even contact them if you have any questions. Well, that's it for our show today. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, and we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Uh, Please remember to stay safe and healthy and follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face, practice social distancing, and please wear a mask. And when your time comes up, get vaccinated. Oh, yes. Don't forget that. For sure, take your vaccine when you can. And join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. And please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 